As you can see, things look a little different, and I'm going to spend a few minutes going through uh, just a review of what we've done so far. Maybe you've not been with us in the, our, our little series that we've been doing. Uh, the Building Blocks series here is, has been six weeks, and now we finish up with the question and answer tonight, and we'll have a panel of guys come up in a few moments. But uh, we started out with spiritual formation uh, about you and your personal relationship with Jesus Christ and drawing near and really working hard and developing your relationship with Jesus. Then we got into how to study the Bible. These were in no real particular order. Um, we, we really were just like, this is all a lot of stuff, and it's good stuff, and we want to share with you and, and help you guys uh, build these foundational truths into your, uh, your walk with Jesus. And so how to study the Bible, helping to equip you in, in searching the Scriptures and drawing near to God through the scriptures and not just being dependent on the uh, pastors and spiritual leaders in our church or even that you might find uh, on YouTube and things like that. Uh, then, of course, we have the Holy Spirit and did a study on that and, and gave opportunity uh, in just asking for the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, then we got into prophecy, God's perfect plan. That's what prophecy is. It's just all about God's perfect plan uh, to, and the, the things to come. And, and a lot of the things that we're seeing in the world today are very relevant uh, as far as end times prophecy goes, of course. And then the biblical worldview, we got to hear from Pastor Dan on that. And really, uh, in many ways, this is, uh, this is getting twisted in the church today. And there's a lot of the church in, in, collectively across the world, across our nation at least, where we are shaping our view of the Bible around a worldly view rather than shaping our view of the world around the Bible. And that's what we wanted to try to get across to you guys is the heart and emphasis on and understanding the world based on what the Bible tells us. And that connects us very well to prophecy, of course. And then last week, we, we heard from Pastor Mark on engaging in the body and connecting through ministry and through just ministry to one another as the body of Christ. Some really valuable things that we've come across along the way. And I'm sure at various times, you have felt like there is a, a massive like 30,000-foot overview of some of these things. Um, you know, I think we've, we've said the, the term lately, or, or Colin, Colin started at week one with uh, spiritual formation. He's like, I feel like I'm landing uh, a jet on, in a parking space. You know, like that's like there's so much when we're getting into we're, and we're, but we're spending so such a quick amount of time on these things. And of course, uh, that's how each of us felt on these broad topics, but just giving you a little taste and beginning to build these foundational things in your walk with the Lord. So tonight, we want to give you opportunity, to, if you maybe along the way in these studies, uh, you had some questions, and maybe, hopefully, you're, you're just good note takers, studious people here, scholars of the Bible, uh, that you've taken some notes along the way, you've had some questions along the way, and we want to give you opportunity to ask those questions along with others, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and invite these guys to join me tonight. These are all the guys who've taught you in this series. We have my dad, Pastor Chris. We have Pastor Mark, Pastor Colin. And then on this side coming up is Pastor Dan. He had to do things differently, of course, um, just because he's the youth pastor. They have to do things differently, right? So we're going to dig right in, and it is going to be a great, great time tonight. So we'll get started. The first one up there is, what is a good verse to encourage someone in how to seek God's will for something or for their life, perhaps? These are some of the things that, uh, this is a, a very typical question that has been asked many times uh, by many people. And even the question of, what is God's will for my life or what is God's will, right? Everybody asks that question. So What's a good verse? We'll start, we'll give, uh, we'll give Pastor Dan the shot at this because many of the youth 
are the ones who would ask such questions, and I'm sure he has answered this question many times. What is a good verse to encourage someone how to seek God's will? Yeah, um, I mean, you guys sat under Pastor Chris's teaching, maybe some of you as long as me. <laughs> um, and one of the things that, um, it, it's really a great saying. I don't know if it's his saying or not, but, um, you know, he says that if you want to know the will of God, then do the will of God, right? And that's something that always uh, stuck with me as a young believer of saying like, okay, because I know for me when I was, you know, 18 and trying to navigate, like, what do I want to do with my life? I know that's a big question for young people of like, what am I going to do? Am I, I going to get married? Am I going to get a job? Whatever it is. Um, and just thinking about, okay, well, if I want to know what God wants for me, then I need to do what God calls me to do. Um, I think about what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. Um, and this, for a young person, this is so critical of your focus. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, right? So right away, he says, this is the will of God. You want to know what God's plan is for you? Purity, right? To be pure in your walk with the Lord, to be sanctified, to be set apart. Later on in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 18 it says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, so thankfulness is, is God's plan for you. Uh, we think about what it says in, in Ephesians, where, where uh, it, it talks about you know, just doing, doing the will of God. It talks about in Ephesians chapter 5. So I think it's so critical that when you're asking, well, God, what is your plan for me? What do you want for me? What we want to focus on is, well, what do I know that God wants me to do? I know that God wants me to be thankful. I know that God wants me to be pure and to be set apart. And as you do that, and as your heart is focused on him, and as you're in line with him, then he directs your path. And I just wanted to share one more verse that I love in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, where it says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You see, when your heart is just in line with the Lord, when you're in fellowship with God, when you're being obedient to him, your heart can plan your way. You know, you might not know what to do in a situation. You might not know, well, God, what exactly, what job do you want me to go for? What do you want me to do here? But as you're just serving the Lord and seeking him, you plan your steps, but the Lord's going to direct your paths. And I always encourage youth in this of God loves you so much to not necessarily leave everything in your life up to you because he knows that we are not <laughs> super smart all the time. We don't, we don't always listen to exactly you know, what we're supposed to be doing, but the Lord is so gracious that even if we make those decisions and we're not sure what to do, he's gonna redirect us. He's gonna put us in that place that he wants us to be as long as our heart is just focused and set on him and we're being obedient to the things that we know he's called us to do. Amen. Um, anybody else wanna quickly add to that? Yeah, I would just add, um, you know, sometimes we can be very paralyzed with fear of, oh, I'm going to get it wrong and I'm going to miss God's will for my life as if, you know, there's this chessboard that we're all playing and we're trying to hear from God on which piece to move where. And if we make the mistake, we lose the game. And as Pastor Dan was saying, that's not the case. We have to remember and trust that God is quite able and absolutely faithful to redirect us in things. And even the apostles didn't always get it right. And I'm, I love that. In Acts 16, they're out there following what they understood to be God's declared will, which was to go into all the world, right? Preach the gospel, making disciples of all the nations. They were trying to do that to go into Bithynia and Phrygia and certain parts of Asia Minor. And what we find in that text in Acts 16 is that the Holy Spirit forbade them. And we don't know how he did that, but somehow they understood the Spirit was resisting them. And as, as, as the Spirit was resisting them, my assumption is they sought the Lord in that time. Hey, what's going on? And that's when Paul received the vision to go to Macedonia, and he completely changed the course of, of their journey. And in Macedonia, some really cool things happened. So, you know, what were they doing? Were they doing God's will? Yes, they were doing God's will. He wanted them to preach the gospel, but he had a very specific thing, and he had a specific time for that. And so, he was able and faithful to redirect them. So rest in that. Um, there are certain things we know are God's will, and some of the details of life, uh, you, you don't have to sweat so much over it. Does that make sense? I'm just glad Dan quoted me. 
<laughs> so. <laughs> I thought we were keeping this spiritual. Yeah. Dan quoted the Bible, more importantly. <laughs> and he did a very good job at yes. that. Is this on? Is this on? Uh, no, we turned yours off. Sorry. <laughs> it is on. It is on. It should be, at least. Um, no, amen. You know, I think it's something we often get so caught up in um, wanting to understand what God's will is, but knowing that there are things in the Bible that we are told clearly, this is God's will. Well, you know, walk with him, trust in him, put your faith in him, that, that you, you, you really, truly, genuinely walk daily, a steady process of moving forward in love, in light, and in wisdom, and knowing who, who God is and putting your trust in him is going to help you understand what God's will is. Uh, you know, I've often said something along the lines of, you know, we, if we trust God in, in the little things, I think Dan just referred to even, and Mark too, it's just, if we trust God in the little things, if we are walking daily in the will of God, which we know is obedience, ultimately, walking in the will of God, then when the big thing comes, we're not going to be like, oh, no, what do I do? Uh, because we're just walking in the will of God. So, uh, moving on, we had one that jumped up on the list here. How do you not lose heart when a situation feels hopeless? Uh, we'll start with you, Colin. Yeah, so, you know, this is, uh, this is something that's, you know, especially challenging when you're, when you're in that place. It's, it's a lot easier to encourage somebody else, you know, who's in a place of kind of feeling hopeless and um, but when you're in that place, as it kind of just presses so, so heavily on you, um, you know, but, but we as believers have such a rich resource, and that's the Word of God. And, uh, you know, there is so many examples in Scripture that we can go to and really see God's faithfulness and, and God's promises just carried out uh, through some of the most, you know, trialsome and hopeless situations and, you know, you, you, you come across characters in the Bible like Joseph and, uh, you know, not, 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 not once but twice, you know, we see, you know, where he's uh, betrayed and, and sold into, um, you know, or uh, thrown in a pit and then sold into slavery, you know, by, by, you know, those whom, you know, he loved the most. And then in the midst of this really bad situation where he's a, a slave, he, he then gets thrown into jail and, and wrongfully accused. And, and I mean, what a place of hopelessness he must have felt. Um, but, but you see in his life that, you know, what, what man meant for bad, God meant for, for good. And, uh, you know, we have so many characters like that in the scripture that we can just refer to and see just in the entire, entirety of their life you know, how God worked through these hopeless situations uh, to really show himself faithful. And, uh, and we can just glean from those and, and really, you know, be encouraged, but our faith strengthened in this God who can redeem the most, you know, trialsome situations and, and that we can have hope. And, and, you know, kind of talking about Old Testament stories, you know, to think of really in the New Testament that, um, you know, Jesus really endured, you know, utter hopelessness hanging on the cross, you know, that, that we can experience the hope in him um, through his resurrection. And, you know, man was dead in their trespasses and sin without hope, uh, but it was through the hope that Jesus has brought to each of us. And, and that's, you know, e even, even when life can really, really get in a place of, of um, just feeling like there's no way out or it just seems so bleak, there's no light in this dark situation, uh, we can look to Jesus and the hope that he ultimately brought um, for, for this life, but also for the eternal promise that we have uh, in him. So, so that really is the greatest uh, promise we see in scripture for each of us, the hope we have in Christ. So the focus, I think this is the key, and even what Colin was saying, the key, I think, in not growing weary, it's interesting, Paul talks about this in Galatians, where he says, let us not grow weary in while doing good or in well-doing. And he says, for in due season you, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Very similar to the question that was asked. 
And I believe it, it comes down to keeping your focus on the things of God. Let your mind dwell on the things of the Lord because, and I will confess, and I think any one of us here would confess that these days with the craziness that goes on around us, there is a struggle to not lose hope. There is a struggle to keep the focus, the main things, the main things. And, you know, a verse that has just been staying with me over and over again is 2 Corinthians 2.2, 2, where it says, I've determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, uh, you know, we can, lose, we can easily lose hope. We're losing hope in our government. We're losing hope in this world. We're losing hope in so many things. But Christ will come through. Jesus Christ will prevail. And we will be in heaven one day. And so we have to keep our eyes on that. We've got we to gotta keep our eyes on and And Paul, interestingly, one of the ways, and there's probably a number of other ways, maybe some of the other guys can think of or you can think of yourself, but one of the ways that Paul says that to not lose hope is to continue to do good. He goes on to say, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are in the household of faith. So one of the ways you keep yourself from getting despondent is by serving and doing good for others. Having your focus be on the things of God. So focusing on Jesus and then focusing on what Jesus wants you to do each day. Because otherwise, I mean, it's easy to get wrapped up and, you know, you watch the news, you listen to the whatever, you're paying attention, you're reading things on the Internet. It'll drive you crazy. You know, it's very easy to allow it to drive you crazy. And then you'll drive other people crazy with it because all you want to do is talk about how crazy the world is. And, and I'm trying to avoid those conversations. You know, it seems like every time you start talking to somebody these days, we end up, go, we end up looking at each other and going, yeah, man, that's crazy. You know, and it is crazy. But let's try to focus on the Lord and on doing good and on serving one another. Some good practical things there. And I'm reminded in First Peter that we studied uh, not long ago Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, in recognizing that hope is through the resurrection. Hope is about eternity. Hope is not of this world. And when we find ourselves in a place of what seems like hopelessness, we can remember that it is only for, as Peter says, a little while. If you have been grieved by various trials, if need be, for a little while you've been grieved by various trials, let it be found to praise, honor, and glory. Let your faith be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a perspective uh, shift, ultimately, is what hope is all about. Uh, but we get caught up, and I understand that, of course, in our circumstances, and things can seem very hopeless at times in the midst of our circumstances. Uh, but remembering the resurrection and trusting in the hope of eternity is, is going to help us change our perspective. Um, so let's go ahead on to the next. Can we speak on our church's view of the gift of tongues? I'll start. Um, <clears throat> There's a few things. Um, first of all, we first see the outworking of the gift of tongues in Acts chapter 2, of course, the day of Pentecost. And in Acts chapter 2, we see that the, uh, the disciples were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit moved in a mighty way, the tongues of fire. They left the upper room speaking in tongues, speaking in various different languages. Um, and when we see that great empowerment of the Holy Spirit, what happened after that is thousands of people got saved. The gospel was presented and thousands of people got saved. Because what does it tell us then is that they were each hearing in their own tongue. Each of all these people who had gathered around in Jerusalem for celebration, right, of Pentecost... Uh, so th this celebration that took place and, and the, the feast that they celebrated, 
They were there and so many people came from all over and many people heard in their own languages and then salvation came from it. Um, we oftentimes in the church environment, and by we, I'm just saying kind of collectively, not we, but in churches across the world, there's a perspective of the speaking of tongues or speaking in tongues is necessary or it is even the sign of the, the Holy Spirit. Um, the gift of the Holy Spirit, it really is the speaking of tongues. But we see many things out working out throughout the early church, and it's not just in tongues, right? There, then it, it should be healings as well, or it should be prophecies as well, and all these things that took place in the early church. But what took place was the church grew because people heard the gospel and people came to salvation. And so we see that's the beginning of it, but then we can look into 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, would give us the perspective of what it looks like in the church environment uh, and how the speaking of tongues, and, and Paul says it, um, it's, it's a long section here. I'm just trying to narrow down briefly. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, but now, brethren, if I, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, whether they make a sound unless they make a distinction in the sounds, uh, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, uh, there are it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is within, without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Must be with interpretation. That is key, without question. Edification with interpretation for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. So there needs to be understanding, and there needs to be interpretation, and it needs to be for edification. And so what we, our stance on this is simply that it be done in order. Um, many churches are afraid of this, the speaking of the gift of tongues, and many churches take advantage of the, the gift of tongues and go too far with it. We try to fall in the middle, and we want to make room for it and allow for it, and that's something that even recently we've talked about. We want to see a great and mighty move of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it, there would be a tongue that we would hear, but we'll hear an interpretation as well as it's done in order. Or maybe there's another move of the Holy Spirit that we'll see take place in our church, but we want to be open to what the Spirit wants to do. We want to be obedient, and we want to see it done in order. Anybody to add? Yes, please. <laughs> um, you know, the thing about it is, in the, in the scriptures... Tongues is only spoken of in two manners. It's spoken of in the book of Acts as something that took place in the early church. And then it's spoken of by the Apostle Paul in a corrective manner. It is actually in the epistles, it's never really promoted, the outward manifestation of tongues. In fact, he corrects it in the most corrupt church there is. The church of Corinth was completely corrupt in every way. And if you remember the studies in Corinthians, you know that. So when we, I really believe, and I've come to this conclusion after many years of even being a bit frustrated with wondering why don't we see more of the manifestation of the gift of tongues within the church. And I'm not saying we shouldn't see it. I'm simply saying 
we, I haven't seen it that much. And, and so I, I really believe that tongues is primarily a private gift. It's not necessarily meant to be public, but Paul said, well, if it's going to be public, it's kind of like that's what he's saying in Corinthians. If it's going to be public, make sure it's done this way. And that way you don't have uh, this disruption, and that's what happens in some circles where there's a tongue spoken, and, and then an interpretation is given, and it doesn't even make sense to the thing that was spoken. And so you have all this confusion. And Paul says, if, if I come into a place and everyone's speaking in tongues, won't they think you're crazy? He says, isn't that going to seem like a crazy time when, uh, when you do that? If there's no interpretation and there's just this thing, and an unbeliever is present, that, that, that doesn't have order to it. So Paul says, let all things be done decently and in order. And then he gives the instructions on how to do this, how to practice this. Now, again, I'm not against it. I, I, we've, we've had, you can be totally open to it. I think it's probably better in smaller environments uh, just because it, you, know, it, you don't have that, uh, that need so much to have uh, or you have maybe less chance of an unbeliever being there that would get confused by it. But uh, so that's, that's where I stand on it, the church. And, you know, Mike, I mean, it's really where we stand as a church. And I think that it's important that we keep our focus, that, that we keep our focus on the work of God and the work of the Spirit, not so much that gift of the Spirit. That can, get a, that can become a focus. Remember, the Holy Spirit came to speak and, and to glorify Jesus Christ. So if it's glorifying Jesus Christ, amen to it. You know, so. I think it's, yeah, and that's a good point to, to remember is we, there's many outworkings of the Holy Spirit that um, we have to understand. It's not anything that we have the power to possess. And that's something that, that gets confused sometimes within the church is uh, that maybe it's tongues or maybe it's prophecy or maybe it's healing and there are people who would claim to possess these gifts but it are it is in fact the gifts of the holy spirit that may be worked out and manifested in different ways because we can't put god in a box right we can't put the holy spirit in a box so um anything else to briefly add before we move on yeah you know in in uh first corinthians 12 is he kind of then goes into the, this great section on love, he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And, uh, and then goes on to say, you know, though I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, have not charity, you know, it, it's sounding brass and, and kind of that idea of like, let's earnestly desire, you know, the, the greater outpouring of the spirit through charity, through love in our ministries and lives. Amen. All right, so how can I trust that I am truly saved and I will go to heaven if I continue to sin and feel salvation is a struggle to achieve because of my constant sin. We'll have uh, Pastor Mark kick this off for us. <laughs> oh, thank you, Pastor Mike. You're so welcome. <laughs> well, the first thing I'd say is, um, assuming that the way the question was worded is, is, is actually representative of the struggle here, um, Salvation is not achieved, it's received. And so that in itself could be your struggle. Um, if, if a person is viewing salvation as a, a, something merited of which we become worthy and we must remain worthy to maintain it, um, then you've, you've really missed the idea of the gift, the understanding of the gift of, of salvation, that it is by grace, through faith, uh, not by works, lest any should boast. And so um, I, would say, I would say one thing, I would say a few things, but first I'd say <clears throat> because there's a struggle, that in itself to me is indicative that there has been genuine life change in you because you care enough to fight the battle. Um, if you had not genuinely experienced God in your life, 
sinning would not grieve you the way it seems to be sinning, uh, grieving you. So, and I, I can relate to this question and I can relate to the struggle itself very, very much personally because I went through a period of time with that myself years ago. And, um, and I wrestled for a long time believing that I could be saved because of the depths from which God had brought me out. And so that's, that's the first thing. It's, you know, we should be dumbfounded by the, by the greatness of God's grace. See, Paul said because of uh, God's mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, right? He has saved us and made us alive in Christ. He has raised us from the dead. Uh, that's the greatness of God's love. None of us deserve it. The second thing I would say is that it is not about your feelings. It is about God's declaration. And that's all we have to go by sometimes. There will be times when our feelings confuse us, and we cannot live by that alone. You have to stand on the truth of God's word. There will always be a battle for your mind. The enemy will always try to take ground there. He will always try to confuse you and, and, and bring questioning regarding your relationship to Christ. Now, that's not to say that you should also experience victory in your struggle. Uh, you may be struggling because you have been an island. You've not surrounded yourself with godly men or godly women. I'm not sure who wrote this, so it could be a, a girl. And we all have these struggles, but you cannot, you're not intended to fight this wage war, the war that we're in as believers on your own. And so if, if I were meeting with you personally, some of the questions I would ask you that we can't get into tonight would be very personal questions. I would want to know what exactly are you struggling with? And I begin to drill down into asking questions that would help identify why is it repetitious? Are you continuing to go to the same places that cause you to stumble? Do you need to maybe have some safeguards in your life that you currently don't have? And then I would ask you, do you want victory more than the pleasure of the sin? And if you do, then let's take some steps to help you get there. And if you're willing to do that, then you will, you will experience victory in practice. Right now, you have, as a believer, you have victory uh, by position. But you want to get to a place where you have victory in practice as well. Pastor Dan, anything to add there? Yeah, no, I mean, I think Pastor Mark covered most of it. It's just, it's, it's really believing believing the word of God, you know, it, we see it throughout the book of Romans where the apostle Paul talks about how we are dead to sin, right? And, and that we, we've died to, to this life and, and that we should no longer live in it. And, you know, sometimes it's, it, it, it's hard for us, like Pastor Mark says, it's hard for us to, to believe that because we see, you know, this, this flesh that we have, but, you know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, it talks about, you know, let God be true and every man a liar, right? The Bible says, God says that I am free. He has declared me free in Christ. And now, for me, it's just walking in that victory, right? And, and Paul talks a lot about that in, you know, Romans chapter 6, right? Because some people will say then, okay, well, yeah, so you're, you're a believer, you're saved, you're forgiven, so does that mean you can just do whatever you want? And, and, and what Paul's saying is like, it's, if that's your perspective, you're missing the point. It's right, it's like, because we are free, right? How, how shall we continue in sin, right? How, how shall we do that? Because we've died uh, to him. That, that, that's Romans chapter six. Um, for those of you who, who wanna check that out, verses one through, really the entire chapter of Romans six. But it's believing that we are dead, that we are dead to sin, that we are alive to Christ, that who we used to be is no longer who we are, and then it's just walking in that. It's, and it's a daily thing, right? It's a daily putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and making no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Every day, Lord, I want to walk with you. Help me to, to put on you, Jesus. But it's, you know, in Christ we are not condemned, right? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans chapter 8. Amen. Moving on, uh, as time is running out very quickly, of course, always time flies when you're having fun. Um, many famous pastors and musicians are leaving the faith. How can we protect ourselves and the church 
from wrong influences of Christian celebrities. Let's start with that title, Christian Celebrities. That's a, just, let's just cross it off and get it out of our vocabulary. It's not in the Bible. We don't see Christian celebrities. Um, Jesus himself was, lived a lowly life, right? The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Um, and, and of course, we live in a world where uh, people want to elevate people. People want that um, ruler of some sort, honestly. They, they want that influential person, the influencer, right? These, this is like a big deal these days, and um, uh, people look to these powerful pastors, musicians, and a lot of times, unfortunately, they have a lot of influence, and they shouldn't have a lot of influence. How do we protect? You know, we studied in Second Peter uh, about false teachers um, and kind of what the, the, well, there's a few things, right? The destruction that's coming for them and the, the deception of them. But before it gets into false teachers, if you remember, we talked about adding to your faith in chapter one of First Peter. Uh, and it talks about really setting the foundation of your salvation, which is Jesus Christ. And if Jesus is, in a sense, the only celebrity that you're looking to, then everybody else is not a celebrity, right? And then as we go, we go through and we add to our faith virtue, knowledge, self-control, and all these things, as we add, we build upon the foundation of our relationship with Jesus, then he gets into right before the false teachers and false teachings, destructive doctrines. And there's destructive doctrines that are out there. You need to learn to study the Bible for yourself, search the scriptures daily, uh, become like a Berean who is searching the scriptures and, and testing the things that you're hearing and not just taking this good motivational speech as gospel truth because oftentimes it is not. The, the world we live in today, more and more, there is a lot of feel-good messages out there. Beware of the feel-good message. You need to be convicted of sin when you study the word of God and when you hear the word of God. The truth will convict us and challenge us to be more like Christ. So those are just a couple safeguards, but let's just get the Christian celebrity idea out of our mind. We don't have to make anybody a celebrity in our own mind. Yeah, just, and just one thing to add to that, too, because um, I know when these kind of things happen, it can be, like, discouraging for us as believers. I, you know, um, I, I think about someone like Robbie Zacharias, right? And, and I know for me, um, it, he was someone that I, I listened to his messages very frequently, read a few of his books. And I, I know for me, like, when that stuff started to kind of come down, I was like, man, this is, this is hard. But what, what the Lord was kind of just showing me is, look— Allow this to, to show you that sin, right, can, can ensnare you and allow it to, to really just draw you into this dependency to the Lord. I think about what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where it says in verse 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You know, and for these men and women who have have fallen into sin or or just walked away from the faith for, for many of them you know there were good good things and positive things that they said and and, and what they fell into i i don't think necessarily takes away from from those good things if the things that they spoke are biblical truth it's the word of god right and and, and it's good and and there's value to that but i think for us it's just allow let us as the church allow it to be introspective and say, Lord, search my heart, right? Search me and know me because I, I see how someone can, can fall. I see how sin can just catch you and, and, and it can give birth to, to death, as the Bible says. So, you know, I, I would just say as an encouragement, something that the Lord showed me is allow those, when those things happen, allow God to use that in your own life and ask him to search your heart and, and to sanctify and purify you. Anything to add? I was struggling because of the time factor, but there's, I'll try to make this really quick. Um, love what both Pastor Mike and Pastor Dan have said. I, I just want to add one thing. Um, the issue is that, you know, 
yes, we need to get the idea of Christian celebrities out of our mind, but in a sense, they exist regardless, right? Because these are people, these are men and women who have been elevated to a platform of extreme exposure and, and, and glory from other human beings. And we're not made for that glory. We're not supposed to receive glory as people, and we don't know how to handle it. Typically what happens, right, if someone walks away from the faith, that's a sin issue. It, it never happens that a pastor who's walking with Christ today wakes up tomorrow and says, you know what, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. It almost always be, is because of a sin issue that has crept in. And now how, does, how has that happened? That's happened from a failure, a lack of accountability and transparency with other brothers and sisters around him. So one way to answer that question to guard ourselves or protect us ourselves from that is to take accountability seriously and actually do what the Bible says, which is to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, make ourselves vulnerable. And, uh, and if you can, don't, don't, make, don't stay in the spotlight. Don't put yourself in the spotlight. It's about Jesus and not about us. Uh, for the next, I'm going to combine just briefly is, uh, these two questions coming up here uh, so we can try to answer more for the sake of time. But how do we walk in the Spirit daily? And then I'm going to jump down a couple to where it says, is there a difference between the filling of the Holy Spirit and baptism of the Holy Spirit? Does one happen before the other? So let's, um, maybe you can, uh, one of you guys can jump on, on one of those, right? How do we walk in the Spirit? Another, just jump on another. Is there a difference between the filling and the baptism? Uh, we'll have Pastor Colin start us. How do you walk in the Spirit daily? Well, you know, this is, uh, I, I think, to continually walk in the Spirit, you know, throughout the entire day is a little bit more of a challenge. But, uh, you know, I can, I can promise you one thing. If you start your day walking in the Spirit, if you start your day really seeking Jesus in prayer and, and really settling your heart and, and really making Him your purpose and priority for, for really your day ahead, uh, that's more likely to be a day that you, you, you really see a continuing walking in the Spirit. Um, if you roll out of bed with an alarm clock and, and rush out to work, you know, or to school or you know, whatever it is that you have kind of next in your day, uh, you know, it, it becomes a challenge um, to walk in the Spirit daily if you're not really starting your day with time with Jesus. And that's why, you know, we as pastors really emphasize the, the importance of daily devotion in the morning, uh, getting time in prayer in the morning, and, and really starting your day off with just the mindset of, of Jesus, you are my first and foremost priority, and, uh, and, and really praying in a way that you're asking for a filling of the Spirit and asking that the Lord would, would, would lead you to walk in the Spirit. And, uh, you know, then when you stumble and fall in the flesh, which you more than likely are going to do in your given day, um, it, it's, it's, it's so much easier to really kind of point your eyes back to Jesus, you know, when, when, when you really start off your day, right? So, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit uh, are very similar, uh, first of all, uh, and if you've been around here for a while, you've heard me on this many times, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience of the coming of, upon of the Spirit. Remember, you have three experiences with the Holy Spirit. You have the coming alongside in John chapter 14, where it says the Spirit is with you. And that's, that's a conviction of the Spirit that John 16 talks about, how the Holy Spirit has come to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then you have the, uh, you have the being born again experience. It's the filling, it's the in, in, coming inside you uh, of the Holy Spirit when you're born again. And when Jesus breathed on the disciples in John chapter 20, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. And you know, if Jesus breathed on you and said, receive the Holy Spirit, what do you think happens? <laughs> you receive the Holy Spirit, right? And so then you receive the Spirit. But then Jesus told the disciples to wait, to go to Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father, which you've heard from me, and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, they already received the Spirit, but yet he said you need to be baptized in the Spirit. So there's clearly a difference. What is that difference? 
I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he goes on to say, and you'll be witnesses to me, this is in Acts chapter 1, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come upon your life so that you can be a witness, and, and the, the life of a witness. And that, that began to happen, right, in the early church. That's what, when the Holy Spirit came upon the early church, Peter, who just... 40 days earlier, was denying the Lord and scared to death and hiding out, now stands up and preaches in a hostile, potentially hostile environment. He stands up and he preaches the gospel, and 3,000 people are saved. So a boldness came upon them when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience in the Holy Spirit that empowers you for the work of, of, of serving God in your life. The filling of the Spirit is then in Ephesians, Paul said, be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and that's the idea of a continual filling. So we're baptizing the Spirit, that's an event. But the filling of the Spirit is an ongoing event. And so you've heard me say it, you know, we all leak, right? So we need refills. And it's great that we get free refills from the Holy Spirit. He's blessed us with that. And so um, if you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, to bring this practically and, and, and close it, you know, this portion down, but just to bring it practically, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, see some of the leaders after church tonight, and we're going to pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he'll give that to you. All you do is ask for it. John said, uh, Luke told us that. Jesus said those very words. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And, uh, and so we know the Holy Spirit is available to us that way. If you need a free refill, ask the Lord for the refill. You just go to the tap. He's there and he wants to refill your life. And uh, so that's really the difference. The filling of the Spirit, it's really some ways semantical, right? What's the difference between the filling of the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit? One word, baptism or filling. <laughs> you know, it's, not, it, it, it's not like you could say, well, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and it was the first time it happened in your life. Well, that was your baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so, good. <laughs> good. Okay. <laughs> I think really the filling is much like what Colin is talking about, though. It's yes, that the walking walk, spirit. It's a daily yeah. walk and asking for the Holy Spirit. You can ask every day. You can ask many times in a day if you need to. Ask for the filling so that you would walk in the Spirit. Uh, and then the baptism is like Acts 1 is talking about. You shall receive Power is what Jesus said when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and be witnesses. We need a refill every time we drive Route 9. <laughs> we, I, don't, I try to stay away from it. I just yeah. cross over Route 9. <laughs> Mike doesn't need the Holy Spirit because he's not driving on Route 9. <laughs> I don't have to ask as much. <laughs> um, My route takes me on Route 9. I ask all of So the question was walking in the Spirit, not driving in the Spirit. No, it's okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Today's driving is yesterday's walking. There we go. <laughs> What's tomorrow? Flying. <laughs> so, next question up. What's the best way to address differences or disagreements in... Hmm. Let's see if Siri wants to, knows anything about that. Somebody else join the panel. <laughs> That's dangerous. That reminds me, that reminds me of when Greg Laurie was on talking to Siri, and Alexis answered. It's Alexa, not Alexis. But Whatever. Okay. <laughs> you get the idea. <laughs> There's a whole thing about that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I got him going, didn't I? <laughs> There's a whole thing about misunderstanding Alexa. The whole thing. Okay. <laughs> What's the best way to address differences and disagreements? <laughs> Ask Alexa. <laughs> in the church. Oh. We haven't heard from Pastor Mark in a minute, so we'll start oh. with him. All right. Well, so that's a, that's a great... All these, I love all these questions, by the way. It's too bad we're not going to get to them all. Well, the best way to address differences and disagreements is, number one, 
um, <clears throat> that we would first of all believe that we ourselves are fallible and maybe wrong, and that we need to be open to teach, be, be teachable. We need to remain uh, teachable. And is the, is, is the difference something that, well, you know, I want to hear what Colin thinks on this. I know he thinks differently than me. I want to hear what he thinks, or is it just, hey, I want to have an opportunity to convince him to think like I do. We are not well accustomed, I believe, in the church, unfortunately, and that's why this question is so valuable, we're not well accustomed to doing this very thing. Um, we are used to, as Christians who believe we have the truth of God, we are typically convinced that our view is the only view, and now our mission is to convince everyone else of our view. That's because the gospel is um, unchanging and unchallengeable, but there are other aspects of our biblical understanding that could be off, and we need to be open to correction and open to change. So first going into a disagreement or a difference, seeking to learn and really understand the other person, that's, to me, the number one thing. Uh, I, I wasn't always good at this. I'm still not great at it, but I am def I have definitely grown personally in this, uh, whereas years ago, I was like, I, I love confrontation. <laughs> Oh, I love confrontation. I can't wait to just, you know, make this person feel silly for disagreeing with me. That's horrible. And I, I you know, I, I didn't really maybe articulate it that way in my heart, but I mean, I was looking forward to an opportunity to show the other person why he or she was wrong. My view over the years has changed. I'm looking forward to the opportunity to grow myself and where I have maybe been wrong, I want to be corrected because I care more about um, being in the truth than being right, or in other words, proving my point to another person. So humility and learning to keep personal um, emotion out of it. We're not in a battle with one another. If, we're, if we have a difference, let's discuss it and learn how to, um, to dialogue and really understand each other. Uh, we just, I just went through this with a dear brother in the church a couple days ago, and we ended up you know, describing our differences in a separate meeting and realizing that we meant the same thing. <laughs> and it was beautiful. <laughs> so, but, you know, we could have let our emotions get in the way of that. We could have got become angry with one another. And, oh, the enemy loves that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's all I'd say on it. The key word is humility. Just, you know, uh, recognizing that I might be wrong. How many people are actually good at that? You could put your, uh, you could put your hand down if you think you. Uh, my dad just texted me. What, what did you text me over here? Oh, the, there's a book, "The Blessing of Humility" by Jerry Bridges. It's a new book on this subject. That's the text message from across the table. Um, I didn't think he'd let me speak again. <laughs> did you tell Alexis to send that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was Siri. <laughs> Don't say that too loud. She might come back. No. <laughs> but um, no, you know, really, that's the key is humility. And then, you know, of course, a good book there, humility, the blessing of humility that you can put others before yourself and you'll win. You win through humility. You win a lot of battles through humility. You may not feel like you're winning an argument, but who cares about the argument? Relationship is more important than an argument, um, and, and pointing people to Jesus is more important than an argument. And I think this is really an important question and point with the church today. <clears throat> we are, the church is so divided right now, and, you know, this whole mess we're in has brought division, and it's so important that we just keep the most important things you know, kind of that old saying, keep the main thing the main thing. And that being Jesus and him crucified and the work of God in our lives. And, you know, whether you're this or that, you know, I don't even want to say the words because, you know, it just starts the whole thing. But whatever side you are on a subject, and I've been surprised on the sides that different ones have taken. And yet I just, I've got to go to love. I've got to go to what Mark was talking about. Hey, do I love this person enough to just 
They can have their opinion about this. Okay. And can I just love them through it and be kind to them and go ahead and, and, and stay united? You know, Paul said to be of the same mind. He didn't, he didn't say that we were going to agree. You know, we, if, honestly, if we all agreed on everything, most of us would be unnecessary, right? So he didn't say we would all agree, but we're to be of the same mind. We're to be unified. So there's a big difference between agreement and unity. I know uh, Colin and Dan both have something to say about this. So unfortunately, we are going to end with this question. I'm going to let them both share, um, and we're going to close on this. But it's a good one to, to end on because of that. There are a lot of differences in the church. And so, Colin, go ahead. Yeah, you know, it's something that Jesus knew that this would be a problem in the church. You know, he, he addresses this very much so in, in a section of Scripture in Matthew 18 on how to deal with disagreement or deal with somebody who wrongs you or sins against you. And, and the big thing in there that, that really I want to hit kind of in this limited time is that he says this, Matthew 18, 15, moreover, if a brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone he goes on if if that brother doesn't hear you but you know i want to address it to say that you know don't bring other people into a disagreement that don't need to be there you know so much damage has been caused because of gossip mm -hmm. because somebody has wronged you and let me get a bunch of people on my side and um you know people other people don't need to be involved you know between something that you and another person can work through just with humility and the two of you discussing it together. And, um, and, and that's really something important that Jesus addresses, that when somebody sins against you or, or wrongs you, go to them, just you and them, and, and work through it. And, and I think that's such a humble way to do it and not create more damage than, than, than needs to happen. Yeah, and then just the only thing to add, um, it's some of the disagreements, a lot of the disagreements that we have are at the end of the day, just so, in the grand scheme of things, unimportant, right? So I, I think it's just always pointing it back to the gospel, right? It's, it, it's always recognizing that, hey, look, no, no matter what we think about the rapture or what we think about once saved, always saved, all those things, like, it, it doesn't matter, right? Because it's Christ and him crucified. It's people are are dying every day that we need to redeem the time right so i think we as the church can get so caught up in, in all these little things and, and and nitpicking all these little things that we feel as though keep us from having unity when at the end of the day it's hey do you love jesus <laughs> i love jesus awesome let's go change the world for jesus let's go make disciples of all nations and that needs to be our focus is is christ and him crucified Hug it out. Don't slug it out. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's good. What verse is that? <laughs> First mark. Uh, <laughs> First mark. Okay. Second mark. Yeah, there already is a mark in it. <laughs> but, you know, guys, that's the reality is we have done so much in, uh, in our society of backbiting and, and grabbing hold of our differences and standing on, on our strong beliefs, our strong convictions over things that are not gospel. It's not essential doctrine that we sometimes stand on. And, and, and I'll say it, some of these things, masked or unmasked, vaxxed or unvaxxed, right? Like these are some of the major issues that we're facing and dealing with that are differences that have nothing to do with the gospel, absolutely nothing to do with the gospel. Um, but we want to stay faithful to the gospel, like Dan just said. Um, and, and these are some of the big differences in the church, uh, in this room perhaps, right? In our church, in the church collectively, there's so many differing opinions. But the main thing is Jesus. And we, we put so much effort in this day in fighting battles, whether it be on social media um, which, to answer another question, that's when it becomes sinful, uh, <laughs> when we backbite over social media and things like that. But um, we, we do so much work on our differences rather than celebrating the unity that we have in Jesus Christ. And that's so much what we need to be about the gospel, about our relationship with Jesus Christ and pointing people to Jesus Christ, spreading the gospel, because that's the power of the Holy Spirit in us. 
is that, the, the, that we might preach Jesus Christ to him crucified. We might see a change take place and bring people to uh, understand who Jesus is, that he loves them, he died for them, and he rose from the dead. That's the essential, right? So if you have, if you have a hill to die on, let it be the gospel and not all the other things that we sometimes get caught up in. And I encourage you, don't get caught up, don't get distracted. Just press into Jesus. And if you have differences, like Mark said, hug it out. Don't slug it out. <laughs> Amen? We're, we're, we don't even have time to close in a song. <laughs> we're just going to close in prayer. And uh, I, I pray you guys were blessed. Great questions. There's, there's so many good questions um, that, unfortunately, we don't have time to get into. But perhaps there's a need to do this sort of thing again. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for today. Thank you that you're good. Um, we, we worship you, God. In, in this, we thank you that it's an opportunity to glorify you and worship you in, in the word that you have given us and blessed us with, Lord. Um, we pray that you would bring clarity in our hearts and minds, that we would walk with you and draw near to you more and more every day. Uh, we thank you for the panel here tonight. We thank you for the work that you've done Bless us, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys.